Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the Insomnia Report. Episode one, baby. Episode one, here we go. <laughs> All right, coming in hot. <laughs> My name is Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are two friends living in Chicago. And roommates. We are roommates. We live together. And they were roommates. Yeah, it's a... Uh... That was a Vine reference. Oh, I didn't get that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um... <laughs> So a little bit about us and then we'll kind of go into how this came to be and how it will work and then we'll go into the nitty gritty details of, not the nitty gritty details, we'll get into the core of our stories. I mean, that's why you're here, I'm assuming. So Elizabeth and I have been friends since 2008. We were both roommates together in the middle school field trip to Washington, D.C., Unforgettable experience. <laughs> Unforgettable, for sure. Uh, back when eyeliner was thick and hair was frizzy. Um, I remember we went on a ghost tour and we kind of like spooked ourselves and we went into the chaperone's room and she braided our hair and we watched Ghost Adventures. Um, good times. Good times. Good time. And then we were both exchange students in Germany together. We were in Hamburg. Um, Elizabeth is basically fluent and I just remember how to say potato that's the only word you need to know in German, to Honestly, be honest. Though, it gets you really far. <laughs> You'll just be walking around and be like, Kartoffel. <laughs> Our host sisters were both really good friends and, you know, we had classes together. So that's just how we became super close. And I remember we were at our friend Mitch's house and we played with a Ouija board in high school. Shout out to Mitch <laughs> for that experience. We'll have to pull up. We actually recorded it, and I have the audio file somewhere, but we actually got, like, an EVP, so we heard a voice on it. Um, Ghost voice. Anyway, from from there, we both went to college in Chicago. Um, even though we went to different universities, we, you know, stayed really good friends after high school, and now we're roommates, and... You know, since we're together all the time, we would stay up at all hours of the night and just kind of talk about things. And I know for years we've been kind of like playing around the idea of let's start a podcast. And then eventually I started being like, Elizabeth, let's do it. And and then we did. And here we are. And we bought equipment. And wow. It's, it's real. This look is, what happened. This is real. It's I can't happening. believe it's finally happening. I know. Um. So we kind of just started talking about, you know, different things, whether it was what has been on our mind or we are full of a bunch of useless knowledge also reality tv shout out to the bachelor <laughs> the bachelor pilot for that okay but i've never <laughs> seen the the bachelor before elizabeth and i were roommates and now we're like obsessed we like kind of <laughs> me neither we analyze all the <laughs> all the contestants and just the vulnerable and like i hear you i see you we're just all on this journey together <laughs> we're just all on and this is a journey <laughs> just have to follow your heart <laughs> Listen to your heart, if you will. Oh, God. Uh, so, you know, for me personally, I if I can't fall asleep, whether it's because I'm anxious or there's something on my mind, I would always try to research something to, you know, get get the negative thought out of my head. But I always ended up on the subreddit, no sleep. And then I'm like, great, now I can't sleep because, I, because I'm terrified. <laughs> um, the first idea for the podcast was going to be called People Suck. Because they do, let's be honest. Yeah, but we didn't want it to just be a, a podcast about us ranting and, you know, uh, there's a lot of negativity. So we just started to develop an idea of a bunch of different things that have essentially piqued our interest to the point where we can't sleep at night. 
we will rotate between four different topics. The first week will be paranormal, so that's what we'll share with you today. The second week will be things we wish we learned in school or awful people. I think you can. we can all agree there's instances in our life where we're like, I, how do I not know this? Like mm-hmm. me trying to understand my insurance or, or, or taxes. Taxes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Or, you know, we've learned a a sugar-coated version of history, so I think it's kind of interesting to learn the truth. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, we're purveyors of knowledge, (laughs) Um, um, protectors of the truth. Sorry, I I got carried away there. I was so excited. I like it. It's very (laughs) ambitious. For full disclosure, we are just two friends having a conversation. We are by no means professionals. But we will do our best to be honest in our work. We will list our sources. We will try to learn and educate. But anyway, so the third week will be true crime. I think we can all agree we have a morbid curiosity for that sort of thing. There's there's something really unsettling about like unsolved mysteries or like cases where people go missing. It's just... Is our neighbor a serial killer? Well, he is a pillar of the community, so you never know. <laughs> Um, and then the the fourth episode will be a wild card. So whether it's something really interesting or something kind of out there. So those are the four core categories we will rotate between. And then eventually we hope to share your listener stories. So once a month we want to share your own personal stories and we will let you know how you can get those to us. And I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I think we covered it. Okay, perfect. So before we begin, I got us this candle called a New Moon Candle on Etsy. and I love this. <laughs> I love this a lot. It's, uh, you know, it has like sage and lavender and like healing crystals in it. Oh, that woo. That woo. <laughs> and, you know, it's a full moon tonight. Yes, it is. So, so, and actually when we had our first like brainstorm session of this, when we really like narrowed it down, we've had a couple, but the one where it's like, this is mm-hmm. what our podcast will look like it was a new moon so it's kind of symbolic so according to the description on the etsy website and it's actually from a place called new moon candles um they don't sponsor us so anyway this is not an ad but we do like the candle anyway i bought this candle on etsy and here's the description so i thought it was appropriate so that's why i got this candle um the new moon candle is perfect for new beginnings and manifestation a new moon marks the start of a new beginning, a cycle, or a fresh start. So this is the time to plant your seed of intention for what you wish to manifest in your life. So I thought it would be kind of symbolic, you know? Like this is manifest. our this is our new little journey. Ooh, look at that. That match. was a good one. Ooh. You guys can't see this, but it was a good flame. It's a sign. Yeah. Love fire in this apartment. Alrighty, so I, I guess you can go ahead and start with your story. Right. Margot, first I want to ask you, what has been keeping you up at night? Oh, God. Ugh, that is a good question. You know, my mind kind of goes all over the place, but I think kind of just everything going on in life, you know, like <laughs> everything <laughs> in the world, but also I've just been really excited about our, our podcast. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. a good, a good up. A, a good uppity up, a good, I've just been really Picker upper? Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, Something to look forward to. Yeah, like, 
I guess Christmas. Yeah, like Christmas, but sure. Recurring. Yeah. Anyway, I've been I've been really excited to to finally start this, so I'm yeah, happy. Um, what too. about you? What has kept you up? So I've been thinking a lot about um, something that plays a huge role in my life, and that is centipedes. <gasps> oh God. Uh, if you guys have seen a house centipede before, they have over 30 legs, mm. and they can run over a foot a second. I hate it. They are, in my opinion, the worst insect. I don't know if they're an in- well, Yeah, I guess they're an insect. The worst bug, buggy, buggy. thingy. <laughs> they're demonic. In the world. And the other night, I was in my room. It was like 10 p.m. I looked at the wall, and right up near the ceiling was like a five inch long centipede and then she she yelled for me and i <laughs> i let out a blood curdling scream i apologize to our it was, neighbors it was so we see them and we always like handle them accordingly but this was a big it was, this was big daddy big boy it was so we vacuumed him up but like he's living in my head rent free as oh. they say <laughs> we, we try our best to save bugs if we can like if we get a bee or whatever but like these like and it's funny because both of our dads will be like don't kill centipedes like they're really good i'm like i don't care (laughs) i do not want to think about the thing living its life on my walls like oh it's just the way they move it's so unsettling they're so fast yeah Yeah, so he's he's dead now in our vacuum (laughs) ripperoni rest in peace but also i'm not upset about it we don't need a third roommate right so yeah nope that would definitely keep me up too Mm -hmm. so Awesome. So without further ado, do you want to tell me a story? Yes, I will. So the topic here is paranormal, as Margot mentioned, and I have something that I have been talking about for a long time. I don't know if I've told you about this already, Margot, or not. Have, but I don't remember. I, I might have, but it's okay. We'll review it. And I don't even know what I had for breakfast. Yeah. It was coffee. Okay, go on. <laughs> what else do you have for breakfast? Just coffee. Um, tears. And tears. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite brew. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> okay. So here's here's the deal. So you know how like on ghost shows like for example ghost adventures or like destination fear those are our top two faves <laughs> they, they use all this like sciency equipment but is it invented by bill chapel <laughs> yeah so bill, <laughs> bill chapel is the like quote-unquote engineer on destination fear not knocking bill but his his devices are sort of like Oh, I took some dental floss and I wrapped it around a paper clip. And, and the flux capacitor was involved. <laughs> and when it lights up, you know there's a spirit nearby and you're probably like, what? what? Anyway, so they use all this science-y equipment. And, but, like, the whole time we're like, what is this actually doing? Like, is this real science? Like, you know, like, the the concept of the paranormal or ghosts or whatever has never really been, like, proven sure and a lot of people don't believe in ghosts mm. um i know many of these people personally you know who you are if you're listening i've talked about this to a ton of people okay so science ghosts what like is there is there some kind of intersect there well it turns out that the university of virginia has a whole academic department devoted to the scientific study of the paranormal okay uh, so it's at the University of Virginia. It's called the Division of Perceptual Studies, or DOPS for short. DOPS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's actually part of their medical school. Interesting. And yeah, so 
some information about this this academic department. So it was founded in 1967 by a guy named Dr. Ian Stevenson. And it is devoted, according to their website, to the investigation of phenomena that challenge mainstream scientific paradigms regarding the nature of the mind-slash-brain relationship. Researchers at DOPS, I'm going to call it DOPS, are particularly interested in studying phenomena related to consciousness functioning beyond the confines of the physical body and phenomena that suggest continuation of consciousness after physical death. So basically, they're trying to collect data about ghosts and other things similar to ghosts. (laughs) Um, And so it's part of the psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences of the University of Virginia's health system. So it was founded by this dude, Ian Stevenson. He's a doctor. So it runs on endowments and private donations. And actually, uh, one of their biggest donors is this guy named Chester Carlson, who, upon his death, uh, bequeathed a million dollars to the department. And Chester Carlson was the inventor of xerography. And if you have ever heard like of his... A, a Xerox machine? Exactly. <gasps> He invented the Xerox machine, like oh, photocopying. That's cool. Um, yeah, and it uh, people think that it's probably because his wife was super interested in the paranormal. So I don't know her Wait, name. Wait, how, how does that tie in? Like he he gave this money upon his death to this department because she wanted him to. Got it. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Also, there were some silent film movie stars who donated, and also um, a big supporter of the department is John Cleese. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Thanks, John. why not? You know, I don't know. <laughs> why not? John why Cleese. not? Uh, so, okay. So this guy, Ian Stevenson, he's he's dead now, unfortunately. He died in 2007. Rest, rest in peace, sir. His methods are considered pretty solid by other scientists. I mean, he was objective and the research he was doing was very serious. And the department's now run by a guy named Dr. Jim Tucker, who is a child psychiatrist. And I'm going to go into him a little bit as well. Okay, so that's that's about the department. Now I want to talk about their work a little bit. So one of their main goals is basically trying to find the truth about paranormal things. So that's like super general. But uh, they have their own lab. They've published a ton of academic papers. And the things that they mainly focus on are children who report memories of previous lives. Ooh. So past lives. Okay. Reincarnation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, <laughs> I like we have spent a lot of time Googling past life regression. I don't know, are they therapists or like hypnotists? Like around us and it's very expensive. Yeah, so we if, we wanted to find out, but it was like three hundred. if anyone has a referral um yeah so that's the thing that they study and um the researchers there have written books about this it's one of their main topics they also study near-death experiences uh which as you probably know is a common pattern of events that many people experience when they're experiencing intense threat or seriously ill or come close to death and 
um, they have more information about these on their website. I'm not going to go through all of the criteria um, as to what defines a near-death experience, but you can find that out online. Um, they're also interested in near-death experiences called veridical near-death experiences, and that means that the mind is functioning outside of the body. So sometimes... Wait, with like deja vu? No, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. But like, I know, I know what you're thinking. But like, sometimes people report like floating outside of their body or something. So having this kind of out-of-body experience during a near-death experience. And in these cases, um, people can report seeing things going on in other locations or having experiences or information that they hadn't known beforehand and then they wake up and they can repeat this information so stuff they wouldn't have been able to know that's cool yeah that's also scary i know um and then um finally they study neuroimaging studies of um psi i don't know if you pronounce it psi or psi but i'm just gonna say psi um which means like weird mind shit <laughs> so like um, <laughs> i have a lot of that going around <laughs> um my side is strong okay <laughs> so like Wait, i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna call it psi because i don't i don't okay. know so that includes advanced meditators um which uh i don't really know what that means i guess you're really good at meditating or something okay um people who can voluntarily control their out-of-body experiences trans mediums who are people who go into deep trances to communicate with the dead not just like um people like you know teresa caputo or whatever long island medium or you know people on ghost adventures Did someone's mother die <laughs> exactly. i feel like there's a woman here <laughs> That's that's <laughs> Teresa. I mean, and the, and the people in all the ghost shows who like walk through a house and they're like, I feel a male presence. Um, there was a person here once. Yes, I feel a weight on my chest. Um, did he have a heart attack? No. So this that's like not what they're looking at. They're okay. looking at people who go into deep trances. Ooh, and then people. I feel like Elizabeth yeah. Warren did that. What? Oh, you mean the Warrens? Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren? Like Isn't the presidential kid? God damn <laughs> No, wait. What's her name? So, I don't know the, the medium's name. What was her Was it also Elizabeth? <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Lorraine. Lorraine. Oh, I mean, that's close. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Can you see, like, Elizabeth Warren on stage during a debate or something? Just like... Wait a minute. <laughs> Stop talking. I hear a dead person <laughs> i was okay bernie um, stop i'm asking you once again okay i'm sorry <laughs> free health care free health care for all i'm about to have a heart attack <laughs> elizabeth warren could have predicted that i don't know why she didn't say anything <laughs> um, i <laughs> Okay. Anyway. Not the same person. I'm sorry. Go on. Also, you okay? I'm dying. Okay. I feel a heaviness on my chest. No. Oh, Oh, God. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. I'm sorry. It's okay. No. All right. Uh, So, also, people who are um, gifted, have gifted PSI levels, whatever that means, who can, like, um, 
like move things with their minds basically like what's that called telekinesis or something yes like like the x-men basically okay so but what i really want to focus on here is these children who have had past life experiences okay so jim tucker runs the show um he's the ring leader yeah the the king of dops if you will doctor doctor psl Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, PS, PSY? PSI. Okay, I guess it's just PSL season. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I get, I get where you were going with that. So he, he comes to the show and he makes the intern get a PSL while they analyze the PSY. PSI, yeah, exactly. PS, it's I. It's I. I'm sorry. As in, as in I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. We're learning things today. This is what this is for. <laughs> so, Dr. Jim Tucker is a child psychiatrist, um, and he's looking for the plausibility of survival of personality after death. So, Ooh. it's something like a law of conservation of energy applied to human consciousness, a.k.a. reincarnation. And so, over the decades, this department, so Dr. Um, Stevenson and now Dr. Tucker and the other researchers... They have cataloged over 2,500 cases of children all over the world who report memories of past lives. Okay, cool. Ooh, that's creepy. And um, I'm going to go into two of them and then talk a little more generally about it. So the first one is this kid. I guess he's not a kid anymore. Um, I don't know how old he is now. But <laughs> <laughs> named James Leininger. Hi, James. Okay. So he is the son of a Christian couple in Louisiana. Um, I don't know why. I, I guess in all these articles they point out the religion of the parents, which I guess makes sense because it's like, you know, reincarnation isn't necessarily something that Christianity is sure. into. So, sure, sure. yeah. Um, so when he was little, James um, loved to play with toy planes. But um, around his second birthday, he started having really bad nightmares, like, once a day. Oh, no. So, like, a ton, like, like a lot. Oh, <laughs> um, and his nightmares were of being in a plane crash. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Had he ever been in a plane? He was two. <sighs> well, just, just my... Oh, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then during the day, he talked about this plane crash and said that um, he had been a pilot... And that he had flown off of a boat. And his dad asked him the name of the boat. And he said Natoma. N-A-T-O-M-A. And he said he'd been shot down by the Japanese. Oh. That he'd been killed at Iwo Jima. And that he had a friend on the boat named Jack Larson. Oh, God. I have, um, like, chills. Mm. Yeah. But this also reminds me of, like, I don't know if you've seen those tweets, but it's, like, a parody um, of, it. like, someone will tweet something and be, like, my 18th month old just walked into the room and said, like, um, capitalism will be the downfall of our society, so we have to distribute the wealth among the workforce or something. It's like... Well, he's not... <laughs> it's like a joke because it's like, obviously he didn't say that. He's like, can he talk? But it's like, you know, I don't can you know. imagine if, like, it's like, oh, go play with your toy. And he's like, mother, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Are you hungry? Are you ready for a nap? 
yes, but first I must talk to you about capitalism. <laughs> I guess children have a British accent. I, all children are British. This is <laughs> this is something we've Mama? decided. Mama. Mother. Capitalism will be the downfall of us all. <laughs> all right, very good. Time for bed. <laughs> um, okay, so he's been saying these things, right? Um, he'd been killed at Iwo Jima. He had a friend on the boat named Jack Larson. He was in a plane crash. Well, there was an aircraft carrier during the Second World War called the USS Natoma Bay, and it was stationed in the Pacific Ocean. Um, and... Uh, it lost, one of the pilots there was killed, and it was a man named James Huston. And his plane crashed into, in exactly the way that young James, they have the same name, which is kind of weird, um, young James described, uh, hit the engine, exploded into fire, crashed into the water, and sank. And the pilot of the plane next to his was named Jack Larson. Oh the, the guy God. he said was his friend. Yeah. Ah! Um, but by the time he was, like, around six or seven, these memories faded in James. Um, Sad. But well, the, I mean, maybe that's good. That sounds traumatic. Right. You, you gotta move on, you know? You gotta move on. Um, and the Titanic music plays <laughs> in the background. Where <laughs> God, I'm not gonna sing on this podcast. I'm not either. Your ears oh, will bleed. No. Is anyone still there? <laughs> um, Okay. So, but, like, so people are, like, okay, I mean, obviously, the reaction to this, like, maybe he heard it somewhere, maybe his parents were talking about it. Really, um, in the context of the war, this was a nondescript event, so it, it wasn't widely reported, or, like, people didn't generally know about this. It was kind of just, like, a, a thing that happened. So, Dr. Tucker wrote a book about this, or he included it in one of his books, and... He interviewed James, his parents, his whole family, investigated the claims, conducted a forensics investigation of the timeline of events. So that's one. Okay. And I, and he also said that, you know, when they look at these cases, they're trying to be skeptical. They're going in skeptical, as scientists should. Sure. And then trying to, you know, verify things outside of what the parents are telling them, basically. Because it's like, okay, like, well, these are essentially just stories that people are telling him you know either they're true or they're not so it's like that's the the one thing that people well not the only thing but one thing that people criticize or have questions about like how can you really prove this okay, okay. interesting cool so i have one more okay 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 and this it was another boy and his name is i assume he's still alive ryan ryan hi ryan ryan so he lived in oklahoma uh, with his parents and he basically said that he had worked in hollywood uh in the 30s isn't he okay so ryan hammonds was four years old living in oklahoma and he would um, play and direct imaginary movies, like, in his room, which is pretty cute. That's really cute. You know, okay, not to derail, but I remember one yeah. time when I was, like, seven, I was like, I'm going to make a play, and everyone in the family is going to be in it. And in the script, my dad made me pancakes because I wanted my dad to make pancakes. <laughs> so I'm like, no, you have to do it. Did he do it? Yeah, he did. 
Aww. Which was actually very nice. That's nice. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. Thank you. So basically, I'm Ryan. Okay. Well, so <laughs> you're you're Ryan. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, go on. I'm not. Were you Ryan? I wonder. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Lots to unpack here. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So he began to wake up in the middle of the night, screaming and clutching his chest, mm-hmm. saying he dreamed his heart exploded when he was in Hollywood. I bet that was painful. That sounds really painful to have your heart explode. Jeez. Oh, well, sometimes I feel that when I see puppies. Oh, yeah, like, I feel that's that. That's like, mm, Yeah. They're all so good. They're so good. Okay, so his heart exploded. So his heart, <laughs> so his heart exploded. <laughs> and it was painful. It wasn't um, the good kind, I'm assuming. No, no, no. And oh, then no. He, he told his mom that he, think, he thinks he used to be someone else. He said he remembered a big white house and swimming pool in Hollywood. He had three sons, but he couldn't remember their names, and he was really fixated on that. Like, he would cry because he couldn't remember their names. Sad. Yeah, that's, like, that's really sad. And so his mom, like, got a bunch of Hollywood books, um, thinking it would help him. That's a good mom. And, yeah, and so they were paging through one of them one day, and they stopped at a black and white still taken from a 30s movie called Night After Night. And two men in the center of the picture were confronting one another with four others around them. And his mom didn't know who any of them were, but Ryan pointed to one of them and he said, um, Hey, Mama, that's George. We did a picture together. Ooh. I'm just picturing like a young kid being like, We did a picture together. Oh, yes, Mother. <laughs> we did a photo together. <laughs> you know, like a like how they used to call movies pictures. Like, yeah, we oh, filmed a yeah. picture. Um, okay. <laughs> Oh, yes, it was quite nice. The critics loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, anyway, then he pointed to a dude in an overcoat and said, That guy's me. I found me. Aw, look, it's me. Mommy, look. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Um, And so... Hold on. Okay. Fingers high. Sorry, my heart just exploded. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go on. So Ryan saw a man in a trench coat. Right. Okay, so the book didn't name anyone in the picture. Weird. Um, but Ryan said that one guy was George, the one he did a picture with. <laughs> and uh, his mom confirmed that the dude was actually named George, George Raft, a film star from the 30s and 40s. But they couldn't identify the guy that Ryan said he'd been. So they contacted, they were already in contact with um, Tucker, or they were in, they got into contact with Dr. Tucker. And they were telling him about this, um, and they found a film archivist who um, found that the guy's name, who he said he was, was Martin Martin, which is, uh, first of all, unfortunate. Um, (laughs) Second of all... Starring George Raft and Martin Martin. Martin Martin. Margo Margo. Elizabeth Elizabeth. Right. Lizzie. Liz. (laughs) Beth. That's me. Beth Beth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so they found this guy's name was Martin Martin, right? All right. Um, right, right. <laughs> and yes, yes. So Dr. Tucker didn't tell the family that they had found out who this guy was. So he went to their house, and he laid out black and white photos of four women on the kitchen table. So, wait, they went to Ryan's house? No, yeah. The doctor The doctor, said. Okay, yeah. Cool. Sorry. No, you're yep. good. And so three of these photos were of random women, and one of them was of Martin Martin's wife. Okay, Miss Martin. But like Miss Martin Martin. M- Mrs. Martin. Martin. 
because women didn't have names back then. Of course um, not. Right. <clears throat> and so, um, so Ryan, so they didn't know who Martin Martin was. Like, they didn't know anything about it yet because Dr. Tucker didn't, hadn't told him. So he showed Ryan the photos and asked him if he, any of these mean anything to him. He studied them. He pointed to one and said, she looks familiar. And it was his wife. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I have yeah. tingles. And then afterwards, Dr. Tucker and Ryan and his family went to California to meet Martin's daughter, who was still alive. Um, daughter, daughter. And she confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> daughter, daughter, um, and she confirmed. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> yes, yes. Um, so she confirmed like a lot of the facts that Ryan had already said about her father, um, such as he danced in New York. He was a Broadway dancer. Aww, he was an agent, um, and he said people where he worked had changed their names. So he did work at a talent agency where stage names are created. Wait, so he needed to create a name and he came up with Martin Martin. I don't know if that was his stage name or his real name. <laughs> okay, sorry, go on. Um, and okay, wait. Yeah. What would your stage name be? You know my stage name. Mine's Tina Thunderthighs. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wait, no, I think it's it's your first, it's your pet's name and the street you grew up on. So mine would be... Contessa Stonebridge. Oh my god, that's <laughs> so good. I love it. Well, okay, no, Tessie, Tessie Stonebridge. Now featuring Contessa Stonebridge. <laughs> Mine would be Lucy Sutton. I like it. Yeah. You seem like a, that seems like a homely girl, you know, like a, no, 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 I meant like, I could just see her in like cute little braids and overalls, like, ha, I'm Lucy Sutton. <laughs> Well, hi. Well, hi. Okay, sure. I'll take that. <laughs> Homely? Excuse me. I went like home, home, home. I know what you mean. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm almost, I'm almost done. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I love it. Go on. Okay. So Ryan said that his old address had Rock in its name and he had lived at 825 North Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. Ryan said he knew a man named Senator Five, um, and Martin's daughter had a picture of her father with a guy named Senator Ives. Um, oh my god! And he had three sons. Oh my god! Ryan knew, I guess, beforehand. Oh. Um. And so yeah, but apparently when Ryan met the daughter, he hid behind his mom the whole time, and he told his mom his en- her energy had changed. Um, because I guess she'd grown up. You're different now. You've changed. That's freaking out for some reason. Oh, sorry. Um, and he said, he said, I don't want to go back to Hollywood. I always want to keep this family. Oh my God. That, I am one giant goosebump. Yeah. It's, oh my God. It's kind of, yeah. Apparently after that, um, his memories kind of faded a little bit because apparently that's common when children meet someone from the family that they were claimed to be a part of. Oh. It's kind of like they're moving on. Oh my god! Um, I'm covered in bumps. So basically, um, here's a couple numbers and then I'll be done. And then um, I want to hear your story. (laughs) But okay, so from their research, Dr. Tucker um, has found some patterns. 
within the cases of children claiming memories of a past life. And these are really cool infographics from um, UVA magazine. So okay. just so you know. So the median age at the time of the previous person's death is 28. Oh. Um, well, so basically what they do is they interview these kids and they try to match up their, like the things they're saying to like dead people. Interesting. And oftentimes also they'll have um, like, marks on their body like birthmarks or deformities or something that match with how the person died oh my god yeah wait so i have a mole on my neck so does that mean ah, anything with like necks freak me out i know oh. we have a lot of like we do marks. you can't see I, us but we have, we have we're very moly let me describe it so uh, <laughs> um, um <laughs> you could play connect um, the dots and you'd see a giraffe i'm sure but yeah, yeah you're creative there. um so we're just old souls is what I'm yeah, trying to say. We're old souls. Anyway, Ooh. I'm really good at this whole Sorry. derailing thing. <laughs> I just, I ramble when I'm nervous, but I'm not nervous. I'm excited, but I just. Like, same thing. Did that just spark? It did. The candle just sparked. It's a sign. What's it a sign of? Ryan. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Martin. Martin, Martin. Martin, Martin. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, okay. So, 60% of children who claim past life memories are male. Um, roughly 70% of the children claim that they died a violent or unnatural death. And in those cases, just over 70% of the deceased individuals were male, um, which is the same ratio as in the general population, like a violent death. Oh, God. Are, are male. Ninety percent of children say they were the same sex in a previous life as they are now. Okay. The median they time. They don't wanna. They don't wanna switch. They're <laughs> they're fine. I liked how I was. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, and the median time between claimed death and birth is sixteen months, Ooh. and twenty percent of children claim memories of time between death and rebirth, and most children claiming memories of past life are between the ages of two and six, and then after that they sort of start to fade okay so that's kind of interesting to me so it's kind of like when little kids like have imaginary friends Mm, you know like mm -hmm. when they're young and then do you think they just like start to block it out or i don't know i guess it's like a new development stage starts kind of where their brain sort of yeah and the last thing i want to point out we can also edit that out but because it's it's kind of like not super interesting but Anyway, I think everything um, you say is interesting. Oh, you stop thanks. that right now. <laughs> um, so the last thing I want to talk about is Dr. Tucker's hypothesis on how reincarnation could exist. How would that not be interesting? Um, well, it's it's like really complicated. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't like totally understand it, but okay, okay. So this is Dr. Tucker's. Yes, his hypothesis, and of course, there's like tons of criticism of this in general. Online. Everyone's a Everyone's a critic, um, and we—I could go into that too, but I'm not going to. Not today. Not today. Okay. So first, he um, posits that quantum physics shows that at the most basic level of the universe, events involving its smallest particles, such as electrons and protons, only occur once they are observed. So, if you've heard about the light, like um, at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> No, but oh. they do talk about that in terms of near-death experiences. Oh, okay. Apparently, that's extremely common. Anyway, you can go on their website for that, which, by the way, is, um, well, I'll include it in the show notes. I don't, I don't know. You can Google it. Um, <laughs> Look it up. But 
so you know that experiment where like there's a beam of light in two slots have you heard of that mm, refresh my memory um okay well there's two slots and there's a beam of like light like a coin slot or like, like in a... paper or something i'm not exactly sure what it was made of but like two slots and then a beam of light is shining towards them okay or or they're shooting protons or something photons I didn't know that was a tangible thing. I'm pretty sure that was a tangible thing. They're shooting particles <laughs> at, at it. I'm not a scientist, okay? Look, we're just two um, friends having a conversation. We're just having a conversation. We're not experts. Um, well, it doesn't really matter what particle they are. I'm sure people will, <laughs> I'm sure people will dispute this, but whatever. Um, okay. So, uh, like... And they have had ways to measure what was happening with these particles. I'm just going to call them particles. Okay. okay. So. So there's two slots. So and there's they two shoot slots. A particle. A particle. Of light. Yeah. Okay. And so when no one is watching it, mm-hmm. so no one's looking at it, but they're measuring it, they found that the particle somehow goes through both slots at the same time. Okay. Both at the same time. But when someone is observing it. It only goes through one. Oh. So, but only when someone's observing it and when they're not, it goes through both. So, um, that suggests that the material world may be derived from consciousness, not the other way around. Um, that idea is debated by a lot of people, um, but it's a belief that's been shared by a number of quantum physicists. So, if consciousness creates the material world, then it may not be dependent upon that world to exist. So you might not, um, your consciousness could live outside your brain. It doesn't need to be in a brain, basically. Um, which is like, <laughs> whoa. Um, oh my God. And so if consciousness doesn't require a brain, it may continue after the brain stops working. And it could then get attached to a new brain and continue on in another life. So that's that's his hypothesis. Like, it sounds okay. wild. So is it kind of like our bodies are like a vessel and then our like consciousness is kind of floating around right. waiting for the next one to like yeah. dive into. Right. Cause oh. they talk about like, you know, like it sounds absurd, but like the universe is made up of mostly dark matter that no one knows anything about. It is really dark. Like it's so dark. As a matter it's of It's so fact. dark. Um, but like, you know, like it sounds crazy, but like also everything is crazy. Like, and like, we are just on a nothing rock sense. spiraling right. through space. Like, at, that's crazy. That's crazy. Anyway, that keeps me up at night. That that's what keeps me up at night is um this this department of uh DOPS um at University of Virginia because I think it's awesome that people are using science to try to study ghosts and paranormal shit. That is so cool. Thank you. I You're love welcome. that report. A plus. I feel like that was a school report or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Margo, what keeps you up at night? So, I decided to have a story close to home. So, mm-hmm. my story is the Congress Plaza Hotel. Okay. So, for those of you who don't know, the Chicago World's Fair was held in Chicago. Fuck. Um, <laughs> it was? <laughs> no, it's in Ohio. <laughs> Common mis like, it's an honest mistake. <laughs> so, let me reset. 
The Congress Plaza Hotel was built in 1893, and it was originally called the Auditorium Annex, and the purpose of it being built was for the World's Fair. Um, when, what, sorry, did you say when this was? Did I blink? 1893. Thank you. So a hundred years before I was born. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. Where do you think your past life self was? What do you think they were at the fair? <laughs> they might have been. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I was born in 94, not 93, so anyway. Okay, so built in 1893, Mm -hmm. the Congress Plaza Hotel was originally called the Auditorium Annex, and it was built for the World's Fair. Mm -hmm. So the name was to echo the Auditorium Theater that was across the street on Congress Plaza. I'm sorry, on Congress Parkway. Um, So, And actually, between the two buildings, there was this marble tunnel called Peacock Alley. (laughs) I tried to find out why it was named Peacock Alley, but I, I couldn't. But oh um, anyway, it was a marble underground tunnel that connected the two. So nothing sketchy ever happened down there, I'm sure. No, it sounds like a great place. <laughs> I have a party there all the time. Um, but today it's sealed off, so we couldn't even go oh, if we wanted really? to. Um, so in the south tower uh, of one of the buildings holds the banquet hall known as the Gold Room. It's a super lavish room, and did you know that the f- it was the first ballroom in America to use air conditioning? Really? Like, holy cow, thank goodness for AC. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness. We, we talk about that all the time, though. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> Like, I don't know what they did before AC. AC was actually invented in 1902, by the way. I looked that up. But, so we live in a really old, adorable apartment, but there's no central air, obviously. And when we first moved into the apartment, we didn't have air conditioning units, like, in the windows yet. And it would get so hot in our apartment that I could not sleep. Like, that's what kept me up at night. And I would just have to stick my head in the freezer. Anyway, <laughs> I would take like a towel and put ice cubes in it and wrap it around my neck and try to sleep. So anyway, I can't imagine having a ball. Oh my god! In the summer and oh god. Anyway, so jumping around the timeline in World War II, the U.S. government actually purchased the hotel to be headquarters for army officers. But then in 1945, it was uh, purchased back and was open to the public again. So the Congress Plaza is also notorious for having ties with H.H. Holmes, a.k.a. America's first serial killer. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail about that because I'm sure that'll be an episode Mm -hmm. on a later day. Mm -hmm. Um, But for those of you who don't know about good old Herman... um, (laughs) Herman. Herman, Herman. Herman. Hermie. So Herman, H.H. Holmes used the Congress Plaza Hotel to find his victims. He he would lure young women in the lobby and ask if they'd like to work at his pharmacy, and then he would take him to his torture murder castle a few blocks away. Oh. He was a nice guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> he sounds lovely. Yeah. I'd like to run into him in the marble hallway. <laughs> marble oh. tunnel under <laughs> <laughs> oh, meet me at Peacock Alley at midnight. <laughs> Make sure you're alone. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so that's a, that'll be a topic for another day. Um, anyway, the the Congress Plaza also hosted many presidents, which is the reason why it's named a home of the presidents. 
I obviously did not name that. I got that from the Plaza Hotel website. Okay. Um, the presidents of Cleveland, McKinley, Wilson, FDR, and Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt stayed at the Congress Plaza when the 1912 Republican National Convention was held in Chicago. Ooh. And uh, at the time... He was seeking the Republican nomination for president, and he actually spoke from the balcony of his room onto a crowd assembled across the street in Grant Park. Wow. Interesting, right? Anyway, his ghost is not there. Maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) He's everywhere. He's he's always watching. (laughs) Ew. Um, Other famous people that have been there is actually Al Capone. Um, Not surprised. (laughs) So he actually lived in the hotel in the 1920s and 30s, and he used the hotel for his headquarters as an operational standpoint. Um, he played cards in the meeting room that overlooked the lake. I'm sure it was lovely. Um, and it's rumored that he even owned the hotel, but that was never broken true. Hmm. I think my theory for that is, like, he was such a big name that it's like, he's walking around like he owns the place. Right. But it's like, it's out Like, he didn't technically own it, but he, like, kind of did. <laughs> Right, like, you know, if if you have a gangster walk into your hotel, you're going to be like, yes, sir. I'll do whatever you want. Yes, Mr. Capone, sir. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when we went to Germany, like, when we said we were from Chicago, everyone's like, oh, do you know Al Capone? It's like, yeah, he's my neighbor. Uh, <laughs> um, so kind of a creepy fact, this guy that worked with Capone, his name was Jake Greasy Thumb Music. Also, how did they come up with names like that? Like, you know, like, oh, like, Tiny Tim. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you got a greasy thumb there. You got a greasy thumb there. And they talk all fast with their high trousers. And <laughs> <laughs> What do you think your gangster name would be? Um, I don't know. Yanni Yavon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sure. I'm you. Sleepy. <laughs> Sleepy Sloan. Um, mine would be Tina Thunderthighs. Anyway. <laughs> um, so right. Greasy Thumb phoned Capone the night before the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh-huh. Um, and they, the, the feds, or the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> the feds. <laughs> they always tried to pin the St. Valentine's Day Massacre on Capone, but he mm-hmm. was conveniently in Florida at the time. Um, mm. But, you know, he did get the call the night before. So, I mean, he's dead now. He can't come get me. But, like, he probably... He? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So, his ghost is said to be spotted on the property, especially near the 8th floor. That's where his former suite was. Um, he's also by the bar, the lobby, and probably the corridors beneath the hotel are are said to be used for smuggling and other dark deeds. Ooh. He was a peacock well. extraordinaire. <laughs> uh. He smuggled peacocks. <laughs> <laughs> he smuggled all the peacocks. It was the best form of moonshine. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, so I think about this a lot and this actually keeps me up at night a lot is Uh a lot of people probably die in hotels and like that would be Mm -hmm. so terrifying to work there. Yeah. I would never work at a hotel for that reason. Okay. So, um, a lot of deaths happened Mm -hmm. at this, uh, hotel. So I'm going to tell you about just some of them. I'm already getting creeped out. I haven't even talked about like the, I mean, I mentioned Al, but you know, he's. 
He's like he's just an there, obvious you know, ghost, you know, duh. like Al Capone. Oh, that's just Al <laughs> playing his banjo. Um, <laughs> so, in 1910, a guest named James Kennedy allegedly burned his ID and walked into Lake Michigan and shot himself. And he was a guest oh. at the hotel. Sad. Um, okay. The same year, oh. an insurance salesman named Andrew Mark walked into the lake and drowned himself after calling a friend of his from the hotel room. So I don't get oh why everyone's like, I'm going to go to the lake and die, but... Oh. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to make a joke of it. It's sad. Um, a drifter jumped from the roof. A salesman threw himself down an elevator shaft. <gasps> Oh, no. One, oh, my God. Man, I know. One man hung himself from a covered hook. Mm. Mm. Um, one man was found dead from his shirt, and he was tied up by his socks. So someone else killed him? Oh, allegedly, yeah. Like That's my guess. Socks? Like, he, his hands and wrists, or, like, his wrists and feet were tied with his socks, and he was, like, killed by shirt like oh someone God. like strangled him with a shirt a strangler <laughs> uh, um, there was a in 1916 a couple formed what is believed to be a suicide pact in room 312 um convenient convenient that, that that's the area code for, for chicago, chicago. Hmm. goose island 312 this is not this is not an endorsement this is just unless they want to sponsor us unless yeah it's good beer. It is good beer. It's good beer. That's organic. Like I'm, I, the beer. I don't know if it is. It's organic <laughs> praise. Like yeah, I like the not, beer. We actually do like. This is not an ad. We don't this have any sponsors. <laughs> anyway, I could use a three one two. Same. Um, so the husband died, but the wife lived, and she said that she mistook cyanide for Epsom salt tablets. Mm. How the fuck do you mess that up? I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, a few days later, that, that same wife tried to jump from a window, so she was promptly put into a psychiatric hospital. That's good. It's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this next one's really sad. Oh, no. I'm sorry ahead of time. Okay. <sighs> okay. Um, this one is about a mom and her two sons. Oh, no. <clears throat> Adele Langer and her two sons were at the hotel and they were seeking asylum during World War II. Uh-huh. Some articles say they were from Poland, some say they were from Prague, but anyway, they were on a six-month travel visa and her husband was still abroad, but the plan was he would come join them eventually and as time went on, you know, the visa was getting closer to expiring, she couldn't get in contact with him and, you know, he was supposed to come and, and she panicked and I mean that's a lot like I can't imagine mm-hmm. you know either he wasn't writing or I'm really bad with like tech and technology timelines so it's like did she send a telegraph I don't know uh <laughs> pardon my ignorance but uh, eventually there was a lot of pressure of being sent back to Europe during the war and she mm-hmm. wasn't hearing from her husband so she kind of snapped oh, no. and she took her two boys to the 12th floor, and she threw them both out the window, uh, and she followed suit. Uh, oh, my God. And Mr. Langer was still alive, and it turns out they had just gotten permission to get asylum in Canada. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not like, what? Uh, 
so sad. So sad. I, I told you I'm, I'm so sad. I'm sorry. Oh my god. So the husband, the husband, <laughs> um, the husband, you know, obviously became suicidal after that, and it. Don't blame the man. Like, oh god. Oh god. Uh, so the. So the boys can still be heard, you know, and sometimes are seen running around the hallways, and they're laughing and giggling, so, I mean, I'm, I'm glad at least that they still have each other, you know, mm-hmm. um, I guess, but... I guess. The ghost of the mother has never been sighted, but people on the 12th floor will sometimes feel panic, or like they're being watched, mm-hmm. or someone is walking past them when no one's around. Mm-hmm. A guest... Uh, back to deaths. Uh, oh, good. A, a guest staying at the hotel shot an employee and then himself when the worker tried to collect payment for the guy's stay. It was for $104. Wow. And I guess he just didn't want to pay it. Um, and then two people, two different people, have fallen down elevator shafts at different times. I, I know I mentioned the salesman who, like, plunged himself, but yeah. one was an employee that fell down 70 feet. Um, oh. So that's really sad. So those sources were Dang. from Chicago hauntings. But since 1983, there have been three dozen major investigations, and there's at least 47 rooms that are haunted. So these are, like, paranormal investigations? Yeah, so over three dozen since 89. Oh. So it's a, a it's a hot spot. So um, there are rooms in the Plaza Hotel that are boarded up. They're locked from the inside, or there's like wallpaper or paint over the door. So it's like obvious that there's something there, but you can't go in. So people like literally aren't allowed to stay in these haunted rooms, right? Like, oh my god! I guess they have like a three strike policy. It's like, damn it, ghost Jim! <laughs> like, <laughs> you've been warned. You've been warned. Um. So. You know, it's obvious that the doors are there, so they do this when there's too much paranormal activity reported in a certain room, then they'll just close it off. So that's nice, I guess. Thank you. But, like, I want to know what the, like, vetting process for that is. It's like, okay, after, like, ten visits. Yeah. Anyway, so here's the hauntings. This is when it gets... Tell me about the ghosts. You want to hear about the ghosts? So in room 905, there have been reports of just, like, constant phone static. So, like, when you pick up the phone, there's just, like, oh, like no. eerie static. There's a room on the 12th floor that is sealed off. It does not have a doorknob, but apparently when you knock, something knocks back. Oh, no. Like, nope. <laughs> I know. I hate it. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> um, and the goal, so there's two ballrooms. I don't know if I mentioned them earlier, but. I know the air-conditioned one. Okay, yeah, so I did. So, that was the, f- the gold, okay, so the gold room mm-hmm. has was the first one with AC. Mm-hmm. In the gold ballroom, you know, it's it's a very popular space to hold events and weddings, and it's reported that brides and grooms will snap photos, like, around the grand piano there. Mm-hmm. And when they develop the photos or look at it, people that were in the shot are not in the photo. What do you mean? So, like, let's say you, me, and Mitch gathered around the grand piano and we shot mm-hmm. a photo. You and Mitch are in the photo, but I'm not. What? Like, people will be missing from the photos. Oh, my God. Ew, right? Why it's not even... Like... It's fine. I would have hated the picture of me anyway, but <laughs> that's creepy. Uh, that's really creepy. And then there's also notes that a phantom hand comes out of the wall. No. And apparently, uh, one of my sources said 
a worker got stuck between the walls during construction and he died. So that's him like trying to get out. Oh my god! Can you imagine? No, the, like, that's the rest my... of eternity. Just trying to oh. being stuck in a wall. Like one of my biggest fears is like being buried alive. Oh yeah, the same. Oh my god, no. I that keeps me up at night. Like sometimes I literally think about that and can't go to sleep. Right, like different ways to die tragically. Oh my god. Yeah, like what I would do if I was buried alive. Anyway, <sighs> knock on wood. That's sad. Um. Okay, random fact. This is completely unrelated, but. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like, back in the day before they could, like, really tell if people were dead, they would, like, bury them with, like, a bell. Oh, my God. In case, like, it turns out they were alive. Uh-huh. So then, like, they could notify the grave diggers to grave wow. them, to dig them up again. I've heard about people um, who were, like, buried in crypts, you know, and, like, where it's sealed. Uh-huh. And then, like, those stone buildings, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, people will enter them, like, years later and find, like, a skeleton on the floor because they crawled out of their oh, thing and died. my God, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I hate it. <laughs> like, uh, how horrible is that? That's... Anyway, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> oh, um, ripperoni. Oof. So there's also the Florentine room. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the ballroom, and apparently, and I say apparently because you know who knows. And some articles will say one thing and another, but allegedly, allegedly, and again, like I said, we're just two friends having a conversation. We are not experts. Um, so allegedly, uh, it states that before it was a ballroom, it was a roller rink. Uh, when the hotel opened for the World's Fair, which is pretty cool. So it said that organ music place faintly in the early hours of the morning um security guards hear this a lot and they can also hear the sounds of wooden skates roll on the wood floor so that's really eerie you can hear people whispering or humming the piano plays by itself the doors will lock on its own even though that they typically keep it open Mm -hmm. um there's even reports of a, a woman whispering right in your ear no Security has also reported hearing chairs shifting, knocking, or people talking, even if the room's completely empty. Wow. Oh. Um, so, throughout the hotel, TVs, channels will change, doors will close from the inside when guests are trying to enter their rooms. There is this one ghost named Peg Like Johnny. <laughs> All these names. <laughs> Peg Like Johnny. So, he's the most reported ghost in he's seen all over the hotel whether it's the lobby or the dining room and several floors the true identity of this man is unknown but he's said to be the ghost of a homeless man who was murdered in the alley behind the hotel oh it makes me so sad but apparently he's like a really friendly ghost and he just likes to play around like with the guests and well that's good (laughs) and he'll like he, he likes to play jokes by like turning off the lights no, that's and, not like, funny, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, this isn't funny. Here's Johnny. Uh. Uh. <laughs> but apparently he's, like, a really friendly ghost, and, like, you can see him, like, smiling, and he's, like, whatever, but... I don't want to see him smiling, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a nice guy once you get to know him. Okay. He just wants to turn on and off the lights. Okay. Like, Nosferatu. <laughs> Nosferatu? Nosferatu. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... I feel bad for him, though. Like, I, feel, yeah. I just feel so bad for homeless people as it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, now here's, here's the juiciest. Okay. 
Room 441 is the room that gets the most calls to the front desk and security than any other of the 871 rooms in the hotel. Wow, that's a lot of rooms. So the weird thing is nobody has been reported to have died or committed suicide in this room. Mm -hmm. But it is the most active room. And you can book this room, you can request it, but apparently it like books up all the time because people want to scare themselves and... Uh, let's, let's never do that. <laughs> but I thought you looked over for your phone. Oh. Okay. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> so, and, like, a, apparently guests will leave in the middle of the night or they'll ask for different rooms, that, and here's why. Tell me. <laughs> so they claim that their bed was shaking uh-uh. or they swear, like, another person was in their room. Like, they feel like they were being stared no. at or there was, like, a shadow, and and they also... You know, objects will move on their own. Guests can hear eerie noises. I don't know what that means. That's very vague, and I hate What's that. What's an eerie noise? <laughs> My stomach when I'm hungry. The sound I make when I wake up, and it's all creaky. I don't know. But guests will be kicked no. awake. Oh, no. By a shadow woman <laughs> who will manifest at the foot of your bed. Oh. Like, how fucking rude. Like, you're just sleeping, and she's like, wake up. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sleeping. Uh-uh. So, I, I saw many sources for, you know, different articles that said that this was a hotel that inspired the short story by Stephen King, which is called 1408. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of it? No. It's really good. I think John Cusack is in it. Uh, it's a movie? It's, yeah, so it was a short story by Stephen King, oh, and it was made into a movie. Okay. And basically, it's about this guy who's, like, a skeptic, and he'll go, like, stay at haunted hotels, and he, like, tries to debunk them. Mm-hmm. And then he stays at this one, and it, like, it turns out to be haunted. It was good. It was it was pretty good. I, I okay, watched it. Okay, we can but watch it. I'm not sure if this was actually the hotel, because some articles say it's true. Some of them say it's, like, a different hotel. Stephen King did not respond to my Twitter DMs to confirm this. Oh, okay. So, I'm sorry. Uh, But regardless, the Congress Plaza is said to be one of the most haunted locations in Illinois. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll ever have the balls to stay the night, at least not in 411, but if you're down, I am. I'm not down. (laughs) I'm not. Swipe and left. For the record. Uh, Maybe one day. Okay, We'll, we'll see, but... You know, I, I was actually reading reviews online, and I take that with a grain of salt because I feel like people are probably like, oh, I would, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're just trying to, like, tell a ghost story or whatever, but a lot of them do say, you know, it's a very nice hotel. It's it, it, You can't deny it's, an, it's a, in a great part of Chicago. It's, it's by the lake. It's by, you know, the heart of downtown. <laughs> so uh, the reviews online say that people have felt like unsettling like something about it just seems off or and they mm-hmm. did not like being alone in the hallways oh. so that is the congress plaza hotel well that's really creepy <laughs> are you scared um yeah are you gonna sleep in four um i don't know well i i keep like like the rest of our apartment's like pretty dark and i'm just like Oh. Looking around like, oh, oh God, I'm like, so creepy. I, I'll, I'll check it out. I it's Honestly, nice. I'll take a ghost over a centipede. Oh, any, any day? <laughs> any day. If the apartment catches fire, it's because of Sam. Yeah. Um, 
So thanks again for listening to the first episode of the Insomnia Report. We would love to give credit to the artists that have helped us. So the music was composed by Colin Whitlish and produced by Justin Toome. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Also, shout out to my dad who helped us set up the equipment. He really helped us a lot because we didn't really know what we were doing in the beginning. So thank you. You can follow us on social media. Do you want to tell them about where to find us? Yes. So you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Insomnia Report. You can also email us if you have a recommendation for a future episode. If you have your own personal story you would like to submit, we want to start collecting these to read on a future listener episode. Or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. And you can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. Pandora, uh, Amazon, Google. You like can find us. If you're here. Anywhere. If you're still here, <laughs> you can listen. So tune in next week. The topic will be things we wish we learned in school or awful people. There are a lot of things I did not learn in school. Just or, saying. Or we learned like the sugar-coated version of yeah. it, you know? So that will be next week. Again, we post every Sunday. We rotate between four different topics. So we hope to see you there. And thank you again for being here and for listening to the first episode. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.